thanks to the sponsor of today's episode, Hatch. You guys know I invest with Hatch and I thought it would be awesome to let you in on why that is and a few of the unique things I enjoy about the Hatch team and platform. One of my personal favourite things about the Hatch platform is their fee structure. It's super easy to understand with no monthly subscriptions. Hatch charges a 0.5% fee to exchange money, roughly half of what you would normally pay. For each share purchased when purchasing between 0 and 300 shares, there is a $3 USD flat fee. Hatch believes that even though it's attractive to pay a percentage fee when buying smaller amounts, the idea is for those shares to increase in value so they don't think they should take a cut when you sell. If those 300 shares increase in value, you'll still pay $3 USD to sell them. That's it. If you're ready and want to get started investing with Hatch, there's a link in my bio to sign up where you can grab an extra $20 NZD top up when you make your first deposit of $100 NZD or more. How good. Thanks so much to Hatch for supporting the podcast. Let's get on with the episode. Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Right, I don't want to build this one up, but I have to say, I have carefully curated what is going in this episode to be accessible for everyone and specifically to talk to the person I was two years ago before I started investing. Something I often talk about is how I notice trends and patterns within what people talk about on the podcast, especially between the ones who I consider to be successful. Uh, Well, this is the exact same for people I trust within the personal finance world as well. My personal opinion, as well as the rest of this episode being my personal opinion, is that often the world of investing and managing money in general is made to have so many barriers to entry and seem very scary to the average person. This is why women in particular tend to play it safe with money and with opening conversations around money because something that is actually quite simple is continued to feel as if it's really risky and like the unknown, right? And this is based on statistics from many different reports I've looked at since starting this podcast. But at the end of the day, it's not. There's a few simple rules that I believe everyone should follow and that tend to always come up within webinars and different resources I read when it comes to investing. And so what I thought I would do in this episode is put together a really common question, like just the one, and go over that. I'll touch on some points that I think are really important and will help provide a solid foundation for anyone to get started or to feel like they've just slightly stepped up in their education around investing. So the question, (laughs) by far the most common question is simply, how do you do it? How do you invest? Which is the exact same first question I had too. I'm just so excited because I feel like I've really nailed down like the points that I wish I could have articulated or had articulated to me earlier. So before you get into investing, there are a few things that I want you to think about that are really key. The first one, do you have consumer debt? So consumer debt, this is credit card loans, buy now, pay later debt. We're not talking about student loans or mortgages here. So just the kind of extra debt or loans that you tend to accumulate overdraft to. So when you invest, you're putting money into something with the belief that it will increase or appreciate in value, right? So i.e. it'll be worth more than what you bought it for. The thing with having debt is that often you're paying interest on that loan for as long as you have it. So the longer you have the loan, the more interest you pay. Why would you want to put your money into something that increases its value 
aka investing, while keeping something else that is increasing in cost, aka the debt. It's counterintuitive because technically as you make more, in air quotes make more, um, as in your investments are increasing in value, you're losing more at the same time because you're racking up more interest. So try to avoid having consumer debt before you start investing or prioritize paying off the debt while you get your portfolio started. The next thing to consider is do you have an emergency fund? Honestly, I've only realized the value of these things this year. <laughs> Who, like, why do I have a financial literacy podcast? Honestly, sometimes I ask myself this question. But emergency funds are essentially a separate bank account or a separate lot of cash that can be used at any time for costs that you can't cover with the regular dollars you keep in your bank account. So the everyday spending, etc. So, for example, your cat needs surgery. Or your phone dies and you refuse to have any other phone except an iPhone, aka me. Or you get $400 in tickets that Auckland Transport won't accept your dispute for. I understand these are quite specific examples. And I'm only saying specific examples because an emergency fund will save you. Like it will just save you the inconvenience of either having to dip into savings that you're using for something else or having to have less money in that round of pay that you can't afford to have. So make sure you have one before you start investing because you won't be able to pull that money out of your investments fast if you needed it for any of those emergencies. And of course, even though you can invest with very little risk, I feel like it's a common misconception that all investing is really risky. It's not true. Even though you can invest with very little risk, there is always some sort of risk, right? So a backup plan is just key always. From my experience talking to advisors on the podcast and in general, the usual recommended amount is three to six months of your pay to have in your emergency fund, which I think makes a lot more sense than say just picking a figure like 10k or something, but obviously it's personal. So I personally aim to have two months of pay in mine and I think that's perfect. And also once you've saved your emergency fund to the goal amount that you need, and fingers crossed you don't actually need to use it for quite a while, you don't have to keep contributing to it, right? You could use that money you were saving in the emergency account to invest more or to have more disposable income. I personally think if you haven't started investing and you have debt and no emergency fund, focus on building up an emergency fund and tackling the debt first before you even think about starting to invest. I feel like those two checks are just like basic safety measures, like getting a warrant and for your car or something. And then it's like, okay, we're ready to kind of hop in and see how we go. So the next is like the education around investing in your own personal situation. For Kiwis, I'm going to make a really relevant comparison between KiwiSaver and investing. And for people from other countries, hi, thank you so much for listening, um, I'm going to label it. So in KiwiSaver, there are three things you need to consider to set it up correctly. And for investing, it's the exact same. Remember, KiwiSaver KiwiSaver is an investment, but I'm using them as two separate labels so that you can kind of make that connection for yourself. So there's three things you need to consider to set up your investments which is also relevant to KiwiSaver. One, who is helping you invest your money, i.e. the platform or provider you are using to invest? Two, what is your money being invested in, i.e. are you investing in funds, individual stocks, one market, three industries, etc., etc.? How much of your money is being invested, i.e. what amount is coming out of your paycheck weekly, fortnightly, monthly, however often you're doing it? 
Write these three things down and actually have a think about all of them because these answers will be a reflection of your personal financial situation and will probably create a really good base for financial decisions moving forward. As well as, of course, just a general analysis of what your actual actual goals are and why you're investing. So I'm going to touch on each of them and go into a bit more depth. The first one, who is helping you invest your money? Of course, the most common ones you've heard of, common investing platforms, are Shazies and Hatch in New Zealand and potentially Stake or Spaceship in Australia. I'm going to spare you the details on potential differences between platforms and remember you can also invest with fund managers as well or portfolio managers. But to keep things simple, what I will say is that not all platforms are made equal, meaning some will only offer ETFs or index funds and some offer individual shares and funds together. So understanding the second point, which we discussed, is what is your money being invested in will help you make this decision. Keep an eye out for fees as well on these platforms because depending on how often you invest or the amount which we will discuss in point three, your fees could be more or less because it will depend on how much you're investing. The second point, I think this is probably the most important one and the most like the thing that will have the most effect on the result of your investments and that is what is your money being invested in? Now I'm just going to say straight out the gate, you know, my opinion and I think the most effective way for any beginner investor with a goal to grow long-term wealth Uh, The most effective way for them to do this is to set up an automatic payment into your chosen platform to be invested into an index fund because they have the highest level of diversification and usually the lowest fees. And I'm going to explain the importance of diversification in a second, but just sort of keep that point in mind. So this means that no investing in Tesla or Microsoft directly, so just them as individual companies. This is investing into a fund, which is a group of companies. So a fund is just a big group of all these different companies, but you invest in the one fund and you're diversifying your money across a range of different companies. To fully grasp what I'm saying here, an understanding of diversification is key, which is why I've dedicated a few minutes to it after this. But ultimately, what your money is invested into will depend on factors such as how much risk you can expose yourself to, or in other words, how long you're intending to invest for, and probably what you care about as well. For example, if you're really against Elon Musk for your own personal reasons you might not want to be investing in a fund that has Tesla in it and you might not realize that just on looking at the fund initially and so on and so forth for things like fossil fuels um, etc so there's a lot in there but we will kind of come back to that later the third thing I spoke about is how much of your money is being invested so what can you afford to go without essentially Make sure that this is realistic for you. So again, another kind of analysis of your own personal situation. I invest $200 a fortnight and that might be a lot for some people and absolutely nothing for others. It's personal to what you think is appropriate. Uh, If you're self-employed, it might be a percentage instead of a fixed amount so that it can change as your income changes. This is probably the easiest part, to be honest, to nail because even if you start with $10 a week, the point is that you're being consistent and regular. So starting now with $10 is so much more valuable than starting with $1,000 five years from now. Okay, feel free to, you know, take a break and kind of take that in if if it's a lot. So let's bring it back to diversification to round this episode up and then I'll sum it all up at the end for you. You know, as you can tell, like we're only 10 minutes in, there's really 
not much to it. Like, yes, it might initially take a bit to wrap your head around, but once you've kind of got those main points, you're actually fine. And I think there's just all this build up around, oh, I have to have this, that and the other, and I need to know this, that, but actually you really don't. So diversification, what is it and why is it important in the context of point two, which was what is your money being invested in? So think of diversity in the general sense. That means a whole bunch of different things from a whole bunch of different backgrounds to make up a very colorful or mixed group of things, right? Just diversity in general. That's the same for diversification and investing. It's a whole bunch of different companies, funds, assets from a whole bunch of different industries and countries to make a really colourful and mixed group of investments overall. The more diversified your investments are, the better because it means your risk is lowered. For example, if one market crashes, super unlikely, but for the sake of the example, the rest of your investments will probably be okay. And it improves the probability of you getting a larger return in the long term as well. Before I forget, I also just want to mention that Kernel Wealth does some stunning like webinars and resources on investing and they have one on diversification. If you want it, just message me on Instagram and I'll flick you the link. So how exactly do we do this? So again, I'm going to give you three questions that you can think about when picking your investments. So diversification is relevant when you're picking what you're investing in. Number one, do your investments include a range of companies? For example, Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Coca-Cola, Johnson & Johnson. These are all different companies. Two, do your investments sit across a range of countries? Well, if we take the example of companies I listed above, they're all in the US. So that's not being fully diversified. I now need to add a new market, e.g. the Australian or New Zealand Stock Exchange and add companies like Air New Zealand and Commonwealth Bank of Australia. Now I'm suddenly across three countries. The next thing is do your investments sit across a range of sectors or industries? Okay, so if I'm looking at my previous example, yes, I have Air New Zealand, I have Apple, I've got Common, the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. These are all across different industries. I know what you're thinking. Oh my God, that's so much to think about. How am I possibly ever going to do that and make sure that I'm diversified? Because even then, do I have enough diversification? Well, investing in a few funds spread across a few different countries or markets will automatically spread you across companies and sectors um, and diversify you quite well. And that's the reason why I said earlier that investing in a fund is just easier straight out the gate because it gives you instant diversification. Otherwise, the other way to diversify is to manually invest in a whole bunch of companies separately, which takes time and effort and more education that I personally don't ever want to have to deal with again. This is how I started investing, so kind of learn from my mistakes. And I still hold, you know, some of my individual stocks and that's kind of up to you personally if that's something you want to do. But for the average person that we'll get into later, I think investing in funds is the easiest way to uh, diversify your investments straight away. So when you're thinking about what will my money be invested in, think about why you're investing, which I assume for most of you is to build long-term wealth for either retirement, passive income, or getting on the property ladder. In most of these cases, you're going to want to be investing for the long-term, which means keeping a long-term focus and not going after the quick buck or get rich quick scheme which is usually made through day trading or something quite high risk that's most likely going to be a waste of your time because you don't have the time to be putting into that 
I would assume. Um, and so also another part of diversification is the diversification of assets. This is something I always forget to talk about as well. So if you want to spread your investments out even further, diversify even further, we can look across different asset classes. So examples of other assets would be property or cryptocurrency or something like that. Again, both of those come with their own set of education, um, which I'm not covering, but maybe I can do that in future. But that's another way to continue to diversify across a different range of assets as well. So I'm just going to sum up all of what I just said. Before you start, the safety checks before you begin investing is do you have consumer debt and do you have an emergency fund? If yes, you have consumer debt, prioritize paying that off. If no, you don't have an emergency fund, prioritize building that up. If you have debt and don't have an emergency fund, as I said earlier, just prioritize on building both of those up at the same time. I would, depending on the interest level, I'd probably focus on tackling the debt as soon as, but it's always, always safe. And I think just a really nice comfort for yourself to have an emergency fund there, even if it's a small amount. So then ask yourself the who, what, how questions that we spoke about earlier, right? So that's an easy way to remember it. It's the who, the what, the how. Who is helping you invest your money? What is your money being invested in? And how much of your money is being invested? Then from there, you're ready to make your first investment. Are you diversified? Check the questions we asked before, which were, do your investments include a range of companies? Do your investments sit across a range of countries? And do your investments sit across a range of sectors or industries? Then boom, you're literally done. Set up an automatic payment into your investment platform and then an auto invest from there into your chosen fund or company. And you've just set yourself up to grow long-term wealth effectively. Uh, Of course, there are many other little details I could have expanded on here. But in my opinion, I really don't want this shit to be overcomplicated because there's a lot of little like nuances or little details that also require you to have a separate level of education on something else and it just ends up not making sense and then you don't fully understand. And I really want people to feel like when they're jumping into investing, it's not just because they feel like it's the right thing to do and they think they're doing it right. It's because they feel confident in jumping in and they know that this is right for them and that they've analysed the correct things about their personal situation. And in my opinion, the previous questions is all you need. And if someone is listening to this and they think I've missed something, then please feel free to reach out to me and I will make sure I put it in the description or my stories. But yeah, obviously this is just from my experience and that is what I consider to be important. So I know this was a quick one, but yeah, I, like I said, didn't want to overcomplicate it. I hope this helped. And if there's anything you want me to go into more detail with, let me know and I'll just do a separate episode on it in the new year. This will be our second to last episode of the year. So if you want to keep up with what I'm doing and more tips and everything, go over to the Instagram at the one up project and also the TikTok and which is at the one up project as well and just keep in touch and message me and I look forward to releasing more of these eps in the new world so in in the new world god now I'm thinking about food Ah, all right enjoy investing lovely people and I will see you next time disclaimer time so the one up project is an educational platform providing information that is general in nature and has no intention of being financial advice There may be opinions or an individual's experience within this resource that should not be considered as recommendations or personal advice. Everyone's financial situation is so different and you must use the information provided within the podcast at your own risk. 
please complete your own due diligence before making any financial decisions based on the information within this resource. I'm not a qualified, registered or authorized financial advisor and if you require legal, financial or other expert advice, you should seek assistance from a professional advisor. Thanks guys. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, Be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project, and I'll catch you on the next one.